Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I am your host, James McLean, and I am joined again by my favorite co-host, Abby. How are you doing, Abby? Oh, I'm great, James. How are you? I'm doing excellent today. How are things in Nebraska? It's finally cooled off a little bit. We're in state fair time around here, so we're getting to spend time at our favorite activities here in Nebraska, cattle shows. (laughs) Cattle shows (laughs) and football. Cattle shows and football. It was a great weekend. (laughs) Well, Abby, you and I have seen a lot of our friends and a lot of people who have come through our program and Gen Zers who have tried to use TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. They've tried to use all these formats to create video products. They want to go viral. Uh, But some are successful, most are not, and they're not really doing a good job. So today, we're talking to a professional filmmaker. We're talking to Mr. Andy Costa. Now, Andy is an Emmy award-winning filmmaker documentarian. Now, did you hear that, folks? He's an Emmy award-winning. This this means he's legit. He's also the filmmaker behind Zig's documentary called Zig Born to Win, the, the Zig Ziglar story. And he shares with us today really some basic principles on how you can more effectively tell your story through video formatting. And one of the things I really love that he said is that he felt called to teach. He felt called to teach and help people. And he thought that was going to be through speaking or through training or through coaching. But his format that he felt most uh, confident about and the thing that really pushed him over the top was when he realized I can teach best through video. And that just really stuck with me what he said today. Abby, what was your greatest takeaway from our conversation with Andy? I think that when Andy, at the very beginning, he touched on how important building relationships are, and he just briefly went over it, and I wasn't going to let him get past it, and when he came back and we talked about just how important building relationships are in this world, and it's all about who you know, he said the quote, you're never going to be successful alone, and Mm. I, that's just something that really stuck with me in a world where we're constantly told to be independent and that if we want something, we have to work for it. That's not always true. Yes, we have to work hard and yes, we have to chase dreams, but it's not by our own fruition. And that's not how God designed us. It's Mm -hmm. for us to be together and to be with people and to build relationships and just how purely important and influential those relationships can be right there. That was the whole Thing that I needed to hear from the entire interview. So stop what you're doing. Listen to the rest of this interview, because if you're somebody who wants to use video to reach people, or if you're someone who wants to understand those principles, you're going to love this interview that we have with Mr. Andy Costa. Welcome to the Gen Z show. Thank you for being our guest today. Um, I'm, I'm a pleasure to be here, James. It's good. You and I have been friends now for quite a while, uh, at least uh, probably going on six or seven years uh, since I first met you at, uh, at Ziegler and stuff. So good to be able to see you again and work with you again uh, on this. Many in our audience may not know, be familiar with you. I know that our ZYCers, those that had to come through our certification are familiar with you because we show 
one of your documentaries to almost every class. So introduce yourself to our audience and tell them a little bit about yourself. All right. So thank you very much, uh, James and Abby. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. So some of you may be asking, so what is the life of a filmmaker? Oh, you're glamorous. You're dealing with uh, beautiful actresses all day. You know, people are catering food for you. Uh, well, this may be true for some, a very, very tiny portion of, of, of filmmakers. The true reality of a filmmaker, I forgot who said this, but it's absolutely true, is that 98% of a filmmaker's time is spent doing prep work, uh, looking for a project, uh, trying to figure out where to find money to do the project, connecting with people. And only 2% of the time is actually done creating the film. So it is a lot of business acumen that a filmmaker needs to have. And yes, you know, if you think large scale, there's people for every area of a project. But when you're a small person, you pretty much have to rely on doing everything yourself. So especially for young people that are thinking about getting into the film industry, um, building relationships is probably your best skill. Forget about filming, forget about cameras, Forget about telling stories. Building relationships is where it's really going to take you where you need to go. But let me tell a little bit about myself, how I got into film. So I was five years old, and that was a while ago. <laughs> My mom took me to see The Jungle Book. And I was mesmerized. I saw that thing for the first time in my whole life, that music and the motion. It's oh, my God, I don't know what this is, but I want to be in it. <laughs> so I started pesting my mom to become an actor. So, mom, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. And by the way, I am from Brazil. So we well, were I was wondering if, if people could pick up on the fact that's not a Texan accent that you have. There you there. Go. <laughs> or maybe not a, a Louisiana accent like Mr. <laughs> So I passed it, uh, her to, to take me to the big television station, uh, station in Rio de Janeiro. Um, I'm going to make it, that story a little shorter. So I, 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 ran, I, I land a role as a kid actor. Um, uh, and the director says, we, we got there at six in the morning. Uh, we waited until five in the afternoon. I'm not making this up. And then the director comes, hey, hey boy, boy, it's, it's your turn now. So here's how we go. You wait for me, okay? I'm going to say roll, you wait. I'm going to say action. You say your line, you wait for me. I say cut, okay? All right, okay, very good. All right, camera roll, action. Yes, cut, very good, very good. Now go wait for the bus. <laughs> so I made this for six <laughs> months and then my mom says, you're no longer an actor. So, oh, mom, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. Uh, and then I land a role. I, I was 12 years old. I landed a role in a movie, a feature movie. And it was an epoch movie. And I was wearing braces. So the director says, mom, th this is the boy for the role. He's, fa he's fantastic. He's going to you know, make the movie. Don't worry about it. We're going to take off the braces. We're going to shoot the movie. We put the braces back on. We pay for everything. It's going to be fantastic. And my mom said, <clears throat> no, that can't happen. <clears throat> well, mom, 
why? Why are you not letting me be an actor? What's going on? So later in life, I figured out that my mom was worried that she thought that the film industry was a promiscuous uh, environment for a kid. She may have been right. I don't know. So she, she sort of cut my, my, my acting career when I was fuming, right? It's a movie. You're going to be an actor in a movie. I was fuming. But then she bought me a Super 8 camera. Here, go make your own movies. So I started making my Super 8 movies. At 15, I was literally editing film, which is the process where you cut a piece of film and then you glue the pieces together to make edits. That's where the, the term cut came from. A piece of film is a strip of celluloid that has you know, lots of little frames of the image. And then you cut where you want to cut. And then you glue the pieces together to make the film. This is how film was edited. Um, I did this for a while. I joined a band. I was playing rock and roll, having lots of fun. And then my dad was in the military. I was, what, 19 or something. My dad comes to me and says, buddy, when are you going to make money? <laughs> <laughs> Because until then, it was just fun. No money whatsoever. So I decided to finish electronics engineering because I wanted to work as an audio engineer. I, I loved audio. I wanted to be an audio engineer. So while finishing electronics engineering, I learned how to program computers. And that's early 90s. And people like, oh, my God, you can program a computer. Oh, money, money, here's money. They started throwing money at me like, all right, I can do that. So that what brought me to the United States. Uh, in 1999, I landed in San Francisco uh, as a web developer for uh, the company back then called Network Associates. Today, they are called McAfee. So I, I worked as a web developer and then uh, as a middle tier, middle tier developer and then an SQL developer, a database developer, tech lead, the project manager. But in the very beginning, in the first year, I was making $46,000 a year trying to live in San Francisco. I couldn't afford anything in San Francisco. So we had to, me and my wife, uh, she came from Brazil too. We had to find an apartment that was three hours away from work. So my commute was six hours a day. Okay. Three hours one way, work, and then commute three hours back home. And you may say, oh, my God, this is horrible. How could you do that? Well, it was, you know, inconvenient. But that opened opportunities for me to start listening to audiobooks, something I have never discovered before. And guess who I started listening to? Mm, let's, let's ponder that, Abby. Who would you guess? I don't know. Maybe uh, Mr. Ziegler? <laughs> You'll be right. <laughs> and at first I thought, oh, this guy's funny. You know, he has an accent. He tells jokes. And later, oh, wait a second. Mm, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. And not only Zig Ziglar, but I, I listened a lot to Zig Ziglar, but I, I, I listened to, you know, all of them. Uh, Tony Robbins and Jim Rome and you name it, you know, whatever audio book I could find myself on a cassette. <laughs> I would get a cassette, I would put in a cassette and I would listen to it. I had six hours every day to listen to audiobooks. 
So all of that audiobook listening, in one year, I was full-time employee making $80,000 a year. I doubled my salary. And I approached my, my, my boss and says, hey, I love working here and I want a green card. And they said, well, we'll give you a green card if you move to Dallas. What's wrong with Dallas? <laughs> they thought, you know, in California that Dallas was horrible. People, I don't know, <laughs> use horses to, to go to work or something like this. I, I'll go to Dallas. I don't care. So we moved to Dallas in 2001. And I figured out that $80,000 in Dallas was a lot of money. <laughs> So life was fantastic. So I, you know, several years later, I'm a project manager, international project manager, because, you know, I, I, I speak Portuguese and Spanish. And uh, I was, they were flying me around the world to, to, to get requirements, uh, I'm, you know, making six figures. I have the life, right? Everybody wants that life, be important, make a lot of money. And I hated it. Ooh. I absolutely hated it. And I thought, that's something wrong with me. You know, people were killing to have what I have. And I hated what's wrong with me. So I, I remember clearly, I don't remember the year, but well, I need to make a parenthesis here. And we're going to get a little bit into the fate department. So I grew up Catholic in Brazil. And uh, I, Maybe in Brazil, I think here too, but in Brazil, they do not encourage you to have any sort of relationship with Jesus. You know, you go to church, you listen to the priest, then you go home and you're a bad person, you're going to go to hell. Mm. So when I came to the States, I, I discovered non-denominational churches where they play rock and roll. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> I like that. So I'm going to church and it's fun, but I'm, you know, having all this, this, this uh, uh, internal battle. It's like, wow, I make a lot of money, but I hate my life. What's wrong with me? And there was a prayer thing that, oh, if anybody needs prayer, just come forward and our team is going to pray for you. It says, I'll, I'll ask for prayer. You know, something wrong with me. I, I, I need prayer. So I, I, went, I remember it was a lady, never knew her name. But I asked, so I, 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 I feel that something's not right with me. I have a good life, but I don't enjoy it. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. Please pray for me. And she started praying and said, oh, uh, I think you need to have a relationship with Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's telling me. Relationship with Jesus. What's that? So I started to research that a little bit more. And I read the book, The Purpose Driven Life from Rick Warren. So it's a very interesting book. It has 40 chapters. Each chapter you read in 10 minutes, but you are supposed to read them one a day. So I read the chapter, each chapter uh, a day. And at the end of the book, there you go. <laughs> you put that online there, sir. There you go. See, <laughs> All right. It's a great book. I highly encourage if you're, especially if you're a teen and uh, you're sort of, uh, you know, wobbling. I'm not sure what I want to do in my life. The purpose driven life may give you an insight on what is your God given gift. So I read the book and at the end of the 40 days reading the book, God is supposed to talk to you and tell you what your purpose is. So I read the book and I, I sat down and I prayed to, to God, said, God, what's my purpose? 
And God answered me. God said, teach and nothing else. And I says, uh, teach what? <laughs> no answer. <laughs> so, oh, oh, I, I know. I am supposed to be a motivational speaker because that's <laughs> what, you know, changed my life. Uh, I'm going to be a motivational speaker. I'm going to teach people through motivational speeches. So I started, you know, Toastmasters and it was super fun. Um, if, again, for the teens that are not familiar with Toastmaster, it's an association that most corporations have a club that you meet once a week and then you practice public speaking. But there are several modules into public speaking. You have your regular book and then you have your specialty books that what you become as a, a bronze and then silver and then go Toastmasters. And each of those uh, 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 certifications, you, you have to master 10 books. And each book will talk about one specific thing. So you can uh, managerial speeches or leadership speeches or sales speeches or this speeches. So very, very interesting. And most interesting of all is that other people critique the way you're communicating. They give you feedback. It's free. You pay, I think, uh, $50 a semester to have the books. And you are inside a company networking with the people of that company. So I highly, highly encourage all the youth people that are listening to this to go join a Toastmasters. So I'm there in Toastmasters and I won everything. I won all the, the competitions from club all the way to conference. I was you know, famous in Toastmasters, here in, in Dallas at least, famous in Toastmasters on everything and never really went forward with my, you know, storytelling professional speaker careers. Like, well, maybe that's not what I'm supposed to teach. Maybe, oh, I know what I'm going to teach. I'm going to te be a corporate trainer. So I joined a, a, a company called Reach Local and they were, they used to be the largest online advertisement company in the United States. They did all the online advertisements on YouTube and pay-per-click on Google and Facebook and da-da-da-da-da. So I was a director of e-learning. I created training for the sales force. So they become familiar with sales and what are the packages they're selling. And I did this for four years. And it was something missing. So it was not that. So I remembered my probably God-given gift of going to the movies when I was five years old and says, you know what? I'm going to go back to film school. So while I was working there, I went back to film school, learned how to do filmmaking, met a phenomenal professor named Mark Kaufman. Mark, back then, had won eight Emmys. Hmm. So I had two semesters with Mark Kaufman and at, at the end of the two semesters and Mark, you're, you're a phenomenal man, but I, I need more, you know, mentor me. I, I'll pay you. It's like, ah, you don't have to pay me. What, what do you, what do you want to do? So, uh, I want to be a documentary filmmaker. So he mentored me to the process of making my first documentary, which is available on my website, andycostafilms.com. And it's called Lap No World Painter. So he mentored me through the process of making this documentary. 
aired the documentary, submitted the documentary for awards, and he won the Emmy and won the Texas National Association of Texas Local Association of Television Officers, the National Association. Everything he submitted the documentary for, he won. And right there, I says, well, I think that's confirmation enough that that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to teach true film. See, now, I love that I, I, because a lot of the youth that come to us, they feel like the only way that they can affect change is through either speaking or facilitating, you know, doing the things that, that the legacy certification enables people to do or either personal coaching. But there's so much more to that that, you, that you're sharing with us, you know, through this, you know, teach through filmmaking, teach through video. I love that. Absolutely. And that's when I met James McLam. And James, it's a, I, I don't want to put James on a hot spot, <clears throat> on a hot spot here. But uh -oh. I met James, what, for maybe a few days, right? At, uh, and I says, hey, James, I, I want to make a documentary about Mr. Ziegler. And James pulled up his pocketbook and says, here's a check. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So James is one of the executive producers of Zig, You Are Born to Win. He fully trusted in me. He, you know, confidently gave me money and, 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 and made that a possibility. James is one of the people that made the documentary be a possibility. And for those that have not watched the documentary, it's, it's really a big hour and a half lesson on how to become successful. Because I focus on the six steps that Mr. Ziegler mm -hmm. identified on how one can become successful, which is based on the book, See You at the Top, which is, help me out, James, building winning relationships, setting and achieving goals. Uh, I'm not going to read Self-image. Self-image, relationships, goals, attitude, work, and... Desire is desire the last desire or passion, you know, having yes. a desire to do the work you, you're doing or being passionate about what you're doing. And he's bringing see what to top. There you go. <laughs> yeah, let me put the back on gallery. Man. So if you've seen our podcast before or heard about it, you've seen this book because I'll bring it out from time to time. So. And the documentary is based on this book. I even have the graphic that the, the book had. I, I made a, a, a little I hired a prop master. And we created a, a, a like a mini house. So in the book, see what the top, you see that there are stairs, the stairs to success, right? The six steps to success. There's no elevator to success. You need to take the stairs, okay? So we created a little prop house and I filmed that, the stairs. So it was super fun. But it's a way to teach people through the words of people that apply this concept. Dave Ramsey, Seth Golden. Bob Bodine, Michael Ray Newman, Howard Partridge, all self-made millionaires that were broke at some point in their lives, applied the six steps and became extremely successful, many of them multimillionaires. Dave Ramsey was bankrupt at the age of 26. He is worth now over $60 million. And many of the people in the movie are extremely, extremely successful. All of them came from nothing, all of them. And by applying Mr. Ziegler's principles, they became extremely successful. So one thing, and I highly encourage you to read the book, but another thing is to listen to those stories. 
And that's mm-hmm. really what I specialize in, in, to dig into the stories and bring those stories out, out into camera. And then editing this with music. Music is paramount for people to get emotionally involved into a story. So pairing those stories with music and then beautiful images on top of that make for an incredible, pleasant teaching journey. And that's what I do with my films. That's so cool. And I've gotten a chance to see your Zig documentary when I went through ZYC and it definitely is quite a work of art. But thinking about that and how we're telling stories, what's the best story you've ever gotten a chance to tell? Um, Who's your favorite interview uh, kind of along those lines? The best stories that I have yet to tell is the one that I haven't told yet. (laughs) There's always a great story ahead. Um, What comes to mind is Dave Ramsey's interview, because I was able to make Dave Ramsey cry. (laughs) And actually, I made a lot of people cry in the documentary. And I don't know if it was, I was probably the Holy Spirit that put that question in my head. And I will review the secret on how I made people cry. So I, I asked them also, oh, how was your relationship with, with Mrs. Ziegler and how Mrs. Ziegler helped you? And how, do, how, how fond are you of Mrs. Ziegler? And tell me a story about Mrs. Ziegler. And I really put them in a mental state that they, 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 they came back to all of those great moments, great wisdoms that Mrs. Ziegler told them. And then at the very last, I stopped and I, I asked them, so... Picture now that Mr. Ziegler is sitting right here in front of you. What would you like to tell him? And they all break down, start crying, <laughs> and then tell something. <laughs> so that's the last part of the documentary where everybody's crying. They're crying because this, that question. Wow. So I love what we just hit on, that you, you learn to be a teacher through filmmaking. Now, Gen Zers, all of them think that they are amateur, even some of them semi-professional filmmakers because they have these you know, devices now that they are able to film and edit you know, quality videos that when I was their age, I certainly couldn't have even begun to, to think of and, and do. We were making slideshows back then. Do you know what a slideshow is, uh, Abby? Have you ever seen a slideshow? Uh, kind of, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I had to have a camera actually where I would take a camera and set it up and take a picture of a picture to turn it into a slide, you know, that people would give me to help make a slide. But that's, that's, that's not here nor there. But every album wants to do this. So let's talk to about how can they use the, the ability to make video to affect positive change. You know, some of them are not going to be speakers. They're not going to be this, but they all can reach their community, their audience with video. And they're doing it anyway through Snapchat, uh, you know, through all different formats, TikTok, you know, Instagram, through different, different things. But how can they use it to affect positive change? Mm-hmm. So it's all about the story you're telling. So Abby asked me, what's the best story you ever told? It's the story that you had to be told. Um, finding a good story. A good story is a story that changes you. You, the filmmaker. Okay. If you're not attached to that story, it's not a good story to tell. So when that story changes you in some way or fashion, that's a good story to tell. 
But of course, there are a number of elements to bring on a story. Um, there is a phenomenal book named Save the Cat. I, I don't have my copy right here. I should have thought about that. But anyway, Save the Cat, uh, which is about script writing and how to tell a story in the movie format. Now, we're talking about long format, a movie, okay? And there's lots of little tricks that one can learn in order to make that movie more interesting. But there are, and you can Google that, six basic human emotions. And I'm not going to remember them all, but it's joy, love, disgust, anger, fear, and surprise. I think those are the six ones, six basic human emotions. When you touch all those emotions in a movie, you have a blockbuster. Wow. So it's all about changing the perspective of how one uh, feels about that story. So James and Abby, I'm going to tell you a quick story right now. So there's a good guy that meets a good girl and they're super happy and they're, you know, going about life and they're happy. And then the bad guy comes in and makes something horrible and that completely disrupts the good couple way of living. And then they are now fighting for their lives and fighting for everybody's life and they're doing things. And then the bad guy goes and makes something even more horrible that makes them all feel disgusted and now they're, you know, really intensely trying to change things for the better. And then the bad guys go, kills the good guy, best friend. And that really brings everybody down. And then at the end of the movie, the good guy kills the bad guy. Have you seen that movie before? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Sounds like every Disney princess movie ever. <laughs> it is every action movie out there. I just told you the story of it. Okay, so they are bringing love. They have, you know, a couple or a good friendship. And then they bring the bad guy that makes you angry. And then they make the bad guy make horrible things. So he makes you disgust. And then there's surprise things that happen that you haven't expected. And then the bad, the good guy always wins. That makes you joyful. All the six human emotions are out there. And when you, you know, touch those six human emotions, you have a blockbuster. Now, my challenge to you, young people that are listening, is how you bring that into a short story. Let's say a 10-minute story. Or even less, because a lot of these formats only allow for a couple minutes. Exactly. So that's the challenge. And I'm going to answer many of you that are probably thinking about this. How can I bring six emotions in two minutes? You can't. <laughs> so you have to focus on a couple of emotions, okay? Uh, and, and try to fix, try to bring some sort of emotion into your movie. And that's storytelling. We can also do training videos, okay? Training videos are not necessarily focused on emotions, are more focusing on bringing a new skill to, uh, to, to the front. And for that, there is a more effective formula, a very simple formula that I'm going to give it to you guys for free today. <laughs> and the formula is as follows. Open with a problem. Second. Qualify why you or your client can solve that problem. Third, what is 
your unique selling proposition. And fourth, close with a call to action. So James, let me ask you this. What is the problem you're trying to solve with this podcast? Trying to equip both youth and adults with the skills they need to make a positive difference in other youth. All right. So we are trying to address the problem of lack of skill. Mm -hmm. What consequence of lack of skill? Misunderstanding of, of youth, uh, maybe lacking the ability to connect with them effectively, uh, not understanding some of the skills and principles that, that are effective. Fantastic. So if you're to make a training or a promo video for the podcast, you would open up with the question, have you ever felt inadequate? Have you ever felt that people are not taking you seriously? Have you ever felt that you're not achieving the things you wanted to achieve in life because you're missing something? So you're opening with the problem and your, your audience is saying, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And then if you go in, hey, I'm James McLean and I am a certified Ziegler uh, uh, trainer and I have the Gen Z and I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and I have all those skills that you're missing. So you're qualifying yourself why you can solve that problem, okay? The third step is, okay, so I understand the problem that I have now. I understand that James is qualified to solve my problem, but there's a lot of other people out there that are also qualified to solve this problem. Why should I go listen to James' podcast? And then we would figure it out, okay, what is your unique selling proposition? What is different about you? What are you bringing to the mix that I want to buy from you, buy from you? And you close with a call to action. Very, 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 very important is to close your videos with a call to action. Ask them to do something. Ask them to go to your website and download something. Okay. So let's open up a parenthesis. And now we're talking about marketing. So in marketing, you have something called metric. Okay. A metric. It's something that you can measure. Right. So if you say, hey, give me a call. Well, can you measure how many people gave you a call? Maybe yes, maybe no, but you cannot measure how many people tried to call you and couldn't, okay? So always figure out a metric that can be easily measured. And in marketing, in, in social media or digital marketing, the easiest metric is to give them something for free, go to my website so you can download this report on how youth can become better or something like that, or a summary of the book, See You at the Top. That would be fantastic. Go to my website and download a summary of the book, See You at the Top. But in order to download that free copy, they have to give their email address. And with the email address, you do a drip campaign that every week you're sending them a little bit. Hey, look at my new podcast. Look at my doing this. Look at that. La, la, la. So you're engaging your audience into your marketing. So later on, you can send them a sales pitch. Hey, we have Gen Z coming up. You just have another five uh, uh, slots to go. Make sure you enroll. I think that's a really interesting concept. And we kind of talked about that uh, story brand marketing when we went through the Ziegler certification. So it's nice to see that like, exactly what you said or is exactly what we have talked about in our training but I kind of want to shift gears a little bit and go back to something you said at the very beginning about building relationships and how important is that can you elaborate on why you think 
even in this world of where we are trying to make ourselves unique and we're trying to set ourselves apart and connect with people and tell a unique and authentic story, why it comes back to building relationships and why is that so vital in our day-to-day life? Yes. Um, So ask any human resource professional in corporate America, what is the percent of people that you guys hire that is a referral? And they're going to say that we hire over 50% of our people in referrals. I, 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 have, a, I have a point that I'm making here, and I'll get there. Uh, Howard Partridge, which it's uh, uh, you guys probably haven't seen Howard Partridge. He says that the most effective marketing is referral marketing. Um, when you're, oh, well, I was going to say what. Well, I'm going to date myself here. So when you're going to date somebody, you ask your friends for a date, right? Uh, Nowadays, you have an app for that. So I don't know know how it quite works. But back then in my days, you would ask your friends, say, hey, do you know someone? So you're asking for a referral. Why do you? Well, let me ask you this, Abby. Why do you think that people rather connect with people through a referral? It's a trust thing. They don't have to worry about vetting the people because they trust the people they're asking for referrals from. You're absolutely right. So if I, I, if I was looking for, I don't know, a, 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 a filmmaker buddy or a scriptwriter buddy, and I, I would ask Abby, do you, Abby, know somebody that could work with me in the film industry? Why I'm asking Abby, why I'm not going on Facebook and you know, hey, I want somebody to work with me because I know Abby. I trust Abby. And then Abby's going to say, oh, I, here's my buddy that I like and trust. And because I know and trust Abby, I will immediately trust whoever she is uh, giving me the, the referral. That's building relationships. So when you're building a relationship with key influential people, you are building trust and likability on those people. Okay. And then when somebody goes and asks that person, so, oh, do you, hey, I know Abby. Okay. That's why it's so important to build uh, uh, relationships. And, and that's, um, that's probably not the right, uh, 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 the word is escaping me, uh, the, 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 the right thing to do, or you're not building relationships because you want to get jobs. The true right thing to build relationships is because God created us not to be independent. God gave us a gift, but that gift to, be, to come to fruition depends on other people to help us and fulfill that gift. You're never going to be successful alone, no matter how good you are, unless you're Michael Phelps. I don't know. (laughs) But if you want to be successful in life, you will have to have somebody else helping. That's how God designed us Mm. to be in need of other help. And just because of that, you need to build relationships to fulfill his, his calling first. And as a consequence, you become great in business too. I absolutely love that. That is 
that's going to be the quote on the wall on my letterboard for this like month. You're never going to be successful alone because I feel like it's just so, so important. And one of my favorite questions to ask in these podcasts and in that, in the vein of you're never going to be successful alone is what is the greatest piece of advice you've ever been given? I love writing these down and figuring out how other people have helped each other. So then we can all in turn help each other. So yes, I want to pose that question to you, Andy. What's the greatest piece of advice you've ever been given? Show up. Amen. <laughs> um. 80, it was Woody Allen, actually, that said it, that 85% of success in film is showing up. Mm. Show up. Be prepared, okay? And, and, and there's a little bit philosophical, you know, response for the question. It's showing up means you are ready. Um, you are willing to take the risk. You're prepared to go ahead and do it. And I see a lot of my daughter, one of my daughters, like, oh, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready. I don't know if I'm prepared. I don't know. 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 And while you don't knowing, you're not doing and somebody else is doing it. So when you show up, nobody, nobody expects you to be, per especially if you're young, nobody expects you to be perfect. Nobody expects you to be knowledgeable. Nobody expects you to bring forward the money or whatever. But if you show up, people are like, oh, Abby showed up. Abby, what would you like to do? Oh, I would like to do this. Okay, I'll help you do that. And you do it. And you're not going to be good. But that's okay because you're young. And then, oh, I like that Abby showed up and showed interest. And she's trying to learn. She's eager and she showed up again and she showed up again and she showed up again. And, you know, in a few weeks or a few months or years, you become an expert on that just because you're showing up. You do not have to be good. So one of the part of my, my job, which is I'm blessed to do what I do, I, I interview a lot of uh, uh, professional athletes. Okay, I, I support a, 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 an organization. They are uh, Ethos Education Group, and they created a curriculum. I probably need to put you guys together. They created a curriculum for K twelve kids on how to become successful. And my job is to go and interview athletes and, and, and celebrities and whoever they 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 send my way, and I ask them. So, why do you think that makes you successful? I would say that 99% of professional athletes, they usually answered me this. They say that I was not the strongest. I was not the fastest. I was not the smartest. But nobody would outwork me. I was the first to show up for training. I was the last to get out of training. So Everson Walls, cowboy, 17-year uh, 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 NFL player, he said that uh, he would, you know, go train, go do NFL training, uh, football training at high school, go foot, do football training at high school, and then he would come home, he would play tennis because he wanted to exercise his hands. So he would literally drop dead in bed because he was so tired. And he would do that over and over and over and over. Uh, Gerald McCoy, I interviewed Gerald McCoy, Buccaneers. He was a, a, 
defensive lineman, $100 million contract for five years, okay? Six foot three, 400 pound, super, super sweet guy. And throughout the questions, it says, well, I figured out on my high school years that if I didn't finish something, I would never be successful in life. And I decided to finish sports. So all my teammates would say, hey, G, let's go party, G. He's like, no, I'm going to work out. And then I'll go party. Hey, G, let's go do this. No, I'm going to finish my workout first, and then I'm going to finish my homework, and then I'll go do whatever if I have time. And uh, he said that many of his friends are now in prison or dead, and he's in the NFL hmm. making $100 million for five-year contract. Wow. Hmm. Sure. Andy, how, how can our audience connect with you to learn more about what you're doing and, and, to, and to learn from you? So my website is andycostafilms.com, A-N-D-Y-C-O-S-T-A, films, with an S, S.com. Uh, my email is andy at andycostafilms.com. I would love to answer questions. Um, if you have any questions about filmmaking and, and, and let me actually, let me backtrack here because, or else I will forget you, you, you said, Oh, a lot of students have their cell phones. How can they tell stories with just their cell phones? If you do have a good story, the equipment you have doesn't matter. Ooh. If you have a good story, the equipment you, you have doesn't matter. And I'm going to bring a horrible, horrible, horrible example that uh, brings this to clarity. Many, many years ago, and probably some of the teenagers not even heard of the, uh, the guy, uh, uh, Saddam Hussein was a dictator in uh, <clears throat> Iraq. And then there was the Iraq war. Uh, they, they captured Saddam Hussein. And then the local Iraqi people executed Saddam Hussein. Okay. So there is a horrible, horrible, horrible cell phone video pitiful quality, you know, shaky footage, horribly in, in, in terms of film quality, the, the, the quality of the image of the image is absolutely pitiful. The, probably the worst video we've ever seen in quality. But it was viewed by hundreds of millions of people because it was the interest in mm -hmm. seeing that that bad guy was actually dead. So the story was so strong that the quality of the video didn't matter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, if you, you know, have a horrible cell phone video of your most detested politician saying that they are corrupt, again, the quality of the video doesn't matter. The story is surpassing the, the importance of, of the video. There is, and I apologize because I forgot the name of the, the, of the movie, but there is a movie that one the Sundance uh, a film festival, and it was shot on a cell phone. Wow. Okay. Orange something. Um, I do not recommend going and watching it because it's about transvestite and people like <laughs> but, but it was shot on a cell phone in one Sundance. Okay. And yes, they did phenomenal editing, you know, use a lot of cinematic techniques, but the point is that I, 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 I see a lot of, especially young people out there, what camera should I buy so I can become a filmmaker? It's not about the camera. 
It's about knowing how to tell a story and then having people to fund that story so you can make it. <laughs> Building mm -hmm. relationships, okay? Mm. So, and now back to your uh, question, how they can connect with me, andycostafilms.com. Um, any social media outlet, if you just put forward slash Andy Costa Films, you will find me, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, uh, LinkedIn. I would love to connect and answer questions. And how can they find this? So uh, it is available on all retail sites. Best. Oh, oh, I just thought about the fact that we're, we're also doing audio as well as video on this podcast now. What I'm holding up is the Ziggler documentary, Zig, You Were Born to Win. So how can they find your documentary? So the documentary is available on retail sites, Best Buy, Walmart. Uh, it's also available in many, many uh, video on demand uh, 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 outlets like Amazon Prime. So if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you can watch it for free. It's available on Pure Flix. So if you have Pure Flix subscription, oh. you can watch it for free. Uh, it's available on ChristianFilms.com. Um, if you just Google Zig, you are born to win, you see a bazillion number of places that uh, you can watch the movie. Now, if you're watching or listening this and you do not have Amazon Prime and you do not have the $20 to watch the movie, send me an email and I'll send you a link so you can watch this movie for free. Because I think it's important for you to watch this movie and learn from it than uh, not watching it because you don't have the money to buy it, okay? Andy, thank you for, for sharing with us today and really clarifying how they can use the, their desire to do things with video to really affect positive change uh, going forward. We do appreciate this. Now, all his contact information is going to be in the show notes, both on YouTube and on all the podcast formats. So if you guys are just looking at the show notes, you're going to find how to connect with him and how to connect with this as well. So not only did you just hear it, but you can find it as well. So thank you again for your time. Uh, and I, I appreciate you, my friend. I, I really appreciate what you've done and, and the talent that you have. You, uh, Coach, you, you just don't realize how talented he is uh, on what he's doing, the, everything that I've seen. Oh, and, and some of you may have seen part of his work before if you followed us because we interviewed uh, Trinell back in the last winter, and you did a documentary on Trinell Walker as well. So, you know, they've seen that uh, video as well. So look him up, look at the show notes, and again, share, like, and comment on this on in YouTube and any of your podcast apps. And until next week, uh, my friends and Gen Z community, we do appreciate you and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.